Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Kester. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. All right, welcome back, everybody. It's hour number two on Sports Daily here on KFH. Tommy Castor, Paul Savage, Jad Chambers producing the program on the KFH hotline right now. Wichita State Athletic Director Kevin Saul joining us. Kevin, how are you, man? Good to talk to you today. Hey, good morning. How are you guys doing? Um, Tommy and Paul, right? That's correct. That's yep. it. That's correct. Run Jacob off. <laughs> you know, Jacob, uh, every once in a while, needs a little break. You know, needs a little time time away, a little vacation. Uh, so we're covered for him today, but we're glad to have you on the program here, Kevin. Let's uh, let's start off with uh, Shocker basketball. Uh, it's been a little sure. bit of a struggle in the early stage of conference play for Wichita State. Uh, but the most recent game, number 13 Memphis coming into Coke Arena, and it was a game that was full of offense for both teams. And, you know, I know that you can easily look at the final score, Kevin, and you can say, wow, you know, Memphis scored 112 points on Wichita State. But I think another way to look at it, too, and I know you're not a moral victories type guy, but mm. this, this has been a team that has, you know, over the last month or so struggled to score the basketball. They were able to do so against Memphis as well. So what do you think they can take away from that game against Memphis offensively moving forward in conference play? Well, I think I would just echo Coach Mills in, in terms of communication with team and, and as he and I are having conversations. We, we will not consistently win basketball games on the offensive end of the floor. Yeah. We'll have a great half and score 46 points in the first half against Memphis, um, but we're going to win games on the defensive end of the floor. And to me, whether you're talking about basketball or football, um, and in, really in a lot of sports, if you've got a rock solid defense, boy, that's something that you can you can rely on from one game to the next. And because shots aren't always going to fall, right? You're a challenge. Find a find a Memphis half where they scored, what they shot from three, sixty seven percent in the yeah. second half. You know that's just not going to happen that often. And so your 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 consistent standard has got to be on the defensive end. So again, I, I would share uh, with you guys that the that I love the building of programs and people and development. And when you start that process, whether it's in the late 80s or early 90s and, and you're Coach Snyder or 
Um, in my experience, I can only draw from my experience. Uh, for our first two years at Kentucky under Coach Stoops, he started out 5-1 and one and finished 5-6 and six both years, needing one win in the last five to get to a bowl game, and we fell short. And at the end of the day, you know, these we don't get into the situations that we're in overnight, right? There has been a series of challenging events that have brought our program to this spot, okay? No complaints, just fact. We got to work through it. Um, we got to build the infrastructure that's necessary to win, uh, both in personnel and facilities. But like I said, we didn't get into this situation overnight. We won't get out of it overnight either. It's going to take a lot of work, a lot of effort, a lot of building. Um, and so we're, we're committed to that process. And, and again, I don't think anybody's pleased. Um, certainly, Paul and I would, would not envision after starting eight and three to be eight and eight. And you look at the last five. You've got Kansas State, who's number two in the Big 12 right now, if I'm not mistaken. You've got Kansas, who's number two in the country. Uh, North Texas is probably going to finish in the top three in our league. Um, and then you got a Memphis team that's ranked uh, 12th, 13th in the country. And by the way, it doesn't get any easier. We're leaving today to go play Florida Atlantic, who's 23 in the country. Um, and then we'll play an improved South Florida team as well. So um, these tests are really um, your barometers for how you're building your program. And if I could translate – the internal day-to-day confidence um, that we have and what's going on and what's being built here externally, knowing that externally the evaluation is wins and losses, understandably. Uh, but it takes uh, building. It takes uh, data points along the way to, to, to equate to wins and losses. And those are the things that we're seeing day-to-day and, and really pleased with our direction there. You know, I definitely, um, you know, I'm not asking you to speak for Coach Mills because I, I know that, you know, he obviously can speak for himself and he has. But in your conversations with him as the last several weeks have played out and knowing that this program is in a building process, uh, you mentioned communication with team. You mentioned building a culture, like all of these different things. How uh, how together are you two as far as the the thought process moving forward building things being on the same page we're 100 percent aligned and i i have more confidence i'll put it to you this way so um and, and i haven't shared this a lot but obviously doing due diligence and coaching hire you're going to talk to anybody and everybody that you can possibly talk to and and certainly had a few conversations with uh coach tang at kansas state because they rightfully so they spent 14 years together at baylor and I remember one piece of uh, snippet that, that Coach Tang shared with me. He said, hey, you're going to go through some challenging times, um, and things aren't going to go your way, and you learn a lot about people um, when things don't go their way. I want you to know that's when Paul's at his best. And I have seen that to be the case here. you got to remember this is a staff with, with Paul and Tang Drew, all those guys, uh, McCasland at Baylor, yeah. they won one game their first year. One game, right? If I'm not mistaken, I think Turgeon and Marshall were either 11 and 8, uh, 11 wins, 8 wins, or vice versa, 8 wins, 11 wins. Um, and, you know, they they went through the trials to to build from an absolute dysfunctional mess at Baylor in the mid to late 2000s, and you all know what, what happened there. Um, to build it from a one win in your first season to a national championship program. I think it took them 14 years, 15 years. Um, so it certainly takes some time to do that. And, um, 
And then you, you can't discount uh, the pathway that at Oral Roberts. Guys, I spent two years at UMKC and we were in the same league as Oral Roberts. This is in the, the mid-2000s. Absolute dominant program with Scott Sutton, Eddie's son, there in that league. Uh, consistent NCAA tournament team. And between then and when Paul took the job, it really fell on hard times. And Oral Roberts was not in a good spot. So in five or six years to build that to two NCAA tournaments in three years and a two-point loss to Arkansas after beating Florida and Ohio State to get to the Elite Eight at Oral Roberts, um, no disrespect. Um, He's been through it multiple times. Um, And so to hear those words from coaches in the industry and good friends and colleagues, we know where we're headed. And uh, I think the, the greatest challenge for us is instilling external confidence um, in, in, in a way um, that is genuine, authentic, relevant, based on what we're seeing here day in, day in and day out. You know, Coach, um, you look at this league at this point, uh, the American Conference, and you, and you think to yourself, you know, this is a pretty good league. You know, you've had three, four games into the conference now with a bunch of new members. Your thoughts on the reinvented American Conference at this point? Where are we? Where is it headed? Uh, How good do you think the potential is to be that good basketball conference year in and year out? Well, I think there's real potential there, and I think it it already is. I mean, if you look, you've got two nationally ranked programs in Memphis and and Florida Atlantic. You've got a really solid uh, club in North Texas. You've got a Charlotte team that has has had some uh, very interesting results. I think they actually beat Florida Atlantic early on, uh, maybe January 4th or 5th. Um, so you've got some really strong clubs, and we've said from the outset that we think the league is is going to be very strong and it's on firm footing because if you look at the the last what eight teams that were competing last year, if you count the CBI, the NIT, uh, and the Final Four. Uh, four of those eight are now in our league. Um, so you've got some really strong programs. And uh, I think we are, I think we're headed in the right direction as a league. Obviously you want to be a league that can get um, minimum two, three, and four teams in the tournament. And obviously that changes uh, your direction as a league. And, and we're working towards that effect, but, uh, and we certainly will be a very strong part of that as we move forward. So um, there's a lot of high expectations from the league's perspective for Wichita state. And obviously um, we want to meet those as well. Wichita State Athletic Director Kevin Saul joining us here on Sports Daily. Kevin, one more uh, basketball question for you. You mentioned, I think the words you used were external confidence. So if we're talking about the fan base, we're talking about stakeholders in the program, people that follow the program, they care deeply about the program. At this point, you know, it's a, a five-game losing streak. It is what it is. It's the the longest losing streak in what, like 15 years for this team, what would you tell the fan base? What would you tell the stakeholders in trying to inspire that external confidence in the program? I would share maybe first and foremost, and hopefully we've built up some, some credibility and trust um, just being transparent, authentic, and genuine. I, I would share with folks that I've been blessed to be a part of athletics for 25 years as an administrator and four, four or five as a, as a student athlete. I've been around some unbelievable coaches and um, what, what I see day in and day out um, from coach Mills and his staff um, instills all the confidence that you need. And the challenge with that is, is projecting that confidence internally, um, externally. Um, I would share that we're, we're not going to shy away from tough scheduling. 
in the last five games have have been a, a a tough schedule for us. We believe that tough scheduling prepares you for conference play, prepares you for postseason play, um, and so those will be um, consistent elements of our program moving forward. So you play a a K-State and a KU in Kansas City. We knew that was going to be a challenge, good tests uh, for our program. Um, And then we get in and we've got a firm start where you're playing North Texas, Florida Atlantic, and Memphis three out of the first five games. Um, So, again, it doesn't get any easier. But at the end of the day, the the best way to build a strong program is in in a competitive environment. And so we're going to continue to put our program in a competitive environment. And I'm very appreciative. We are incredibly appreciative of our fan base. Uh, for investing in Shocker Athletics and our men's basketball and women's basketball program, our baseball program. Um, we're, we're appreciative for the, the confidence as we move in a new direction. Uh, just know that year ones can be a challenge, and uh, we'll work our way through those challenges. It doesn't mean that we're not headed in the right direction. So, again, I remember as a youngster growing up, and I think the first four years of Snyder were some version of one in ten, four and seven, Seven and four, five and six, man, it just takes some time to, to build this thing. And um, I promise you we're headed in the right direction. Um, and um, we're as confident as we have been uh, in terms of, of, of where we're headed. So um, happy to dive into other details um, and, and those sort of things. But uh, we feel pretty good about where we're headed. Um, obviously, nobody would choose to lose five straight. Um, again, understanding that uh, probably three or four out of those five are going to be NCAA tournament teams at the end of the year. Well, and, you know, I think just adding my two cents on it as well. I mean, I think that they're, it's been pretty easy to see the talent that's on this roster. And, you know, even just watching even the first half against Memphis was some of the most fun basketball that I've watched inside Coke Arena in a long time. And so, you know, clearly it's a growing process. Clearly, you know, there are things that are building with this program. But at the same time, as you well know, you know, expectations are there. Uh, expectations from the fan base, expectations from, you know, folks that, that care deeply about the program. But I do think that it, and I'm sure that you probably have have seen it as well. There are flashes of quite a bit of talent within this program and what can really be turned into a lot of success. Yeah. And I, I think that's a great point because I think that's a, that's another data point that, that hopefully will instill some confidence externally in what we're doing. And the other thing I would share with you that we obviously promoted pretty heavily in November, but we'll keep talking about is the future and recruiting and NIL and all those things are really, really important. Based on our records, guys, we've had 12 top 150 players in the country come into our program out of high school uh, in the history of our program, based about as far back as we can go with recruiting services and those sort of things. We have two coming in next year, Um, and so uh, both guards. And so I think that's another data point from a confidence perspective, and nobody's given up on this year. We're going to pour everything we have into this year. Um, our players, our coaches, our staff are committed every day, and they're grinding every minute of every day. Um, and, and the future is bright because we're doing some things that we haven't done in a long time on a recruiting side as well. So um, those are all positive signs. And, again, guys, I would share with you, um, there is a direct correlation between academic performance and eventual athletic performance. And when you look at a men's basketball program with the turnover that we've had in this roster, Uh, to achieve a team-high record history of the program semester GPA last year, that is a positive sign because 
we've all seen enough where if you have a young person on, on a basketball floor or a baseball field that you can't count um, count on for uh, to execute their assignments on the field, then then typically you struggle counting on that young person to execute assignments in the classroom, and the reverse is true as well. Um, and so all signs are pointing uh, in the right direction. We've got a committed group of young people, our coaches, our staff, and we'll keep grinding away at it. Kevin, before we let you go, uh, the news yesterday of Wichita State softball being picked first in the preseason softball coaches poll. The two teams right behind them are two newcomers in the conference in Charlotte and North Texas. And the softball season starts right around the corner, February 9th through 11th at the Bearcat Classic in Texas. Uh, knowing, I mean, of course, preseason polls are what they are, but there are some pretty solid returners in Allison Barnard, Sammy Hood, Alex Aguilar, and others coming back to play for Christy Breadbinner's team. What's your outlook uh, here just a couple of weeks before we get underway in the softball season? Well, I would put a whole lot more credibility in Coach Breadbinner's uh, outlook of our team, but obviously we've had uh, – uh, several conversations. I think we're going to probably offensively, obviously it would look a little bit different when you take Sidney McKinney out of the lineup, yeah. but you've got some really talented um, um, offensive players uh, on our squad. You've got uh, a little bit of speed. Um, so we might score it a little bit differently uh, than we have in the past, but I think coach Breadbender has also shared publicly that she's as excited about our current pitching staff as she has been in her time at Wichita state. Now they're young uh, so obviously we'll make some some young mistakes, but I think we'll be very very strong on the mound. I think offensively uh, we'll have to get a little bit more creative. And and Elizabeth uh, Economon just does an awesome job uh, managing our offense, of course, under Christie's direction. And uh, she's very creative, and they'll find a way to score in different ways than they have in the past. But obviously excited about a, 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 a number one um, preseason selection. Um, but we all understand you got to go out and prove that. So um, it's, it, I think it's great respect for the program uh, and hopefully is a motiv- motivating factor for our, our young women. Correct me if I'm wrong, Kevin, but we're getting very close to being underway uh, with phase one of the renovation at Wilkins. Is that correct? What's the timeline on that? Yeah, we have looked at a uh, – we have raised uh, enough of the first phase – uh, at $9.65 million is the first phase, and we've raised um, almost five okay. uh, so far. And so our, our intent, we're working with our facilities planning folks on campus right now. In fact, we had a meeting about it this morning. Um, we are working on all the documents that you need to put bids out on the street and get your construction manager and all those things that, uh, that go through this process. Our goal is to break ground on this late spring, early summer, on the practice facility portion first. Um, And then the team operations building would come after that. That gives us a little bit more runway to raise funds to get to the nine points from 5 million to 9.65. So we've got another four and a half million dollars we need to raise to start the operations building. But we feel like we've got the funds in place um, to begin the team, the uh, indoor practice facility. And so just a reminder on that, it's a, it's a large box that will basically sit between Heskett and Wilkins um, down the third baseline that will connect to our team operations building and eventually will connect them to the, the new third base dugout um, that we've constructed here in the last uh, year and a half. And so it'll be a full indoor infield in this practice facility. It's about 120 by 120. So you can take live balls. You, you'll be pitching tunnels, hitting tunnels, and all those things as well. So we, we look to start that. Um, late spring, early summer, it'll be about a 10 to 12 month build 
on that. And then we'd like to transition right into the team operations building next to it. Well, you know, it's definitely an exciting time at Wichita State. And, of course, we're only a couple of weeks away from the start of the softball season. We'll let you go, Kevin. I know you've got a lot to get to today, and so we'll have you back in a couple of weeks. More updates on uh, Shocker basketball. We'll be deeper into the conference season at that point when we, when we have you back in a couple of weeks. And, as always, we appreciate your time. Oh, we appreciate the opportunity to be on the show, Tommy and Paul. Just thanks so much for your coverage and, and support of what we're trying to build here. Uh, Wichita State, just very much appreciated. So uh, um, have a great day and go Shockers, guys. All right, Wichita State Athletic Director Kevin Saul joining us here on Sports Daily. If you missed any of that interview, you can always go back and listen to it on the free Odyssey app. On the other side of the break, we'll dive into the divisional matchups in the NFL playoffs coming up this weekend. Jad Chambers producing the KFH Hotline is back open now at 869-1240 for the rest of the way. I'm Tommy Castor along with Paul Savage. We'll be right back. Thanks to Wichita State Athletic Director Kevin Saul for joining us on Sports Daily. As I mentioned before, if you missed any of that interview, of course, you can always go back and listen to it on the free Odyssey app. All you have to do is download the app and search for Sports Daily. You'll be able to catch that interview with Kevin Saul. Good insight there, Paul. And and we can spend a couple of minutes talking about it here before we move on to the NFL. I know it's a tough stretch for Shocker basketball. You know, five-game losing streak. It's their longest losing streak since 2009, it was, I think, the fifth amount of points they've ever given up inside of Coke Arena, the 112 against Memphis over the weekend. It's a tough stretch for Wichita State basketball, but definitely something that, you know, I, I think that the growing pains we can definitely witness, we can definitely see it's happening right now as this program tries to build itself back up. Right. I was very encouraged because, well, first of all, let me just point out, I watched 30 of the of the 40 minutes of that particular game and the reason that was, I watched the first half I mean every every bounce of the ball I watched the entire and yep. it was a joy. I it was I, so much fun to watch. It was so much yeah. fun to watch and I was just hollering in my living room for guys sakes it was it was it was wonderful. And 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 yet the one thing in our interview with Kevin, he understood what they shot the ball well. And isn't it amazing when threes go in, what that yep. does to a basketball? I mean, at one point, six straight threes for the Shockers. That'll keep you in a game with anybody. Anybody that will keep you in the game. But the point is, is that Kevin also understands. And we have talked, I've talked with Jacob about this, and that is my bugaboo about defense. And we talked about Houston a little earlier in this show about why do I have them going to be one of the top teams, maybe the the eventual champion of this league of the Big 12 is because, you know, they play defense. They're ferocious on defense, and they're intense on defense. They value defense. And Kevin Saul brought up defense. He said, we got to start playing. I mean, you can't give up, what was it, 118 points? 112. 112 points, whatever. And, and you, you can't give up those kind of – Kevin Saul is smart enough to understand basketball well enough to know you got to defend. Those teams that defend will be able to play with just about anybody. If you can defend, uh, then you can play. And he's smart enough to understand that, and I'm sure that's a part of his weekly or daily meetings, whatever the case might be with regards to meeting with the basketball staff or the head coach or whatever they do. 
And that's encouraging because Kevin Saul understands how this team gets better. And it's, it's, it's not going to be based upon finding those three shooters. By the way, you get a great shooter who can shoot threes at Wichita State, he might be in the portal by the end of the next year. You know, you may not be able to keep him the way you want. But you know what you can always do? You can always defend. You can take, you can take good basketball players and teach them to defend and become a great basketball team. And Kevin Saul, I think, gets that, don't you? I do. Right. That being said, though, and you alluded to this, I don't think there's anybody out there, maybe I'm wrong, I don't think I am, that watched the game over the weekend and didn't have a great time watching it. Right. Well, right? Well, the first, I mean, half, the first half. The first half. The first I'm half. not sure I enjoyed the, first half. the second half yeah, as yeah. much. You're right. The, okay. the first All right. half. All right. And again, I understand how that's not the style of basketball that Wichita State is accustomed to. Right. That's not the style of basketball that is going to probably build a program and lead to a ton of success. But, man, there have been so many times over the last several years during the Isaac Brown era where it was like there was a lid on the basket in Coke Arena. <laughs> Boy, that's right. And not just that, but that the energy level right, right. was down. Right, The right. shooting was down. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, frankly, boring basketball. At times, it was boring basketball. Now, boring basketball when you're winning is okay. <laughs> I mean, what, what do they say? Winning cures all? Yes. And that's the truth. And that is true. So I, I think you can excuse the boring brand of basketball okay. if you're winning games. Right, right. You know, you're winning conference championships and things like that. And, and, you know, I think we knew when Paul Mills came into Wichita State that the tempo would be increased, the energy level would be increased, the pace of play, all of that stuff would be at a higher level than it has been in the past. But, man, it was, it was fun at least to watch a different brand of basketball than what we've seen in a long time. Is it sustainable? Well, it's not because they no. lost by 30 points. No, that's right. right. That's, it's not, that's not sustainable. That's correct. That's correct. Uh, but I think if there's a way where they can, and I don't exactly know because I'm not an X's and O's, uh, you know, tatted, you know I'm, I'm, I'm not good at that strategy. But if there's a way that you can grab the positive things from the, the offensive output and clamp down on defense, I mean, I think that, like I mentioned to Kevin Saul in the last segment, They've got talent to win basketball games. They started eight and three, right? They've got Colby Rogers. They've got Xavier Bell. Dalen Riginal has been a, a great uh, addition to the starting lineup when he was coming off the bench early uh, to provide a spark for this team. They've got, of course, Kenny Poto and Quincy Ballard. They've got talent on this roster. So I don't exactly know what you can pull from them being able to make shots against Memphis and translate it in, into the future. I know it's not sustainable, but, man, it was fun to watch. First half, I had more fun watching that first half. than I, I, My eyes were glued to every minute, every second of the first half, and it was really fun to watch threes go down. And, of course, my obvious thought, maybe I shouldn't think this, Tommy, but my obvious thought was, well, if you can do it against Memphis – yeah, and they're athletic, and they defended pretty well. You know, they—I mean, it's an offensive-minded basketball team, but they got athletes, and athletes can defend when they want to. And 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 you're putting those—you're putting down those kind of threes against an athletic team like Memphis, tall, long. They're the prototypical team that you're going to see in—you know—in the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, and if they can do that against Memphis, why can't they do that against? Well, pick your pick your last loss of the last six seven games. Pick, pick the team you want, but why can't you do that? I, and 
And that's my question to myself. So yeah, and, and look, Kevin Saul is completely correct when he says that it's been a tough scheduling stretch for Wichita State. You've got KU, you've got K-State, Memphis, North Texas looks to be really good in the conference. I get all that. I understand that. That makes sense. That being said, though, expectations are what they are. And even though we're in year one, yeah, I, I know Wichita State lost some players. Jaquan Walton, as an example, is now at Memphis and lit up the Shockers inside Coke Arena the other day. Oh. The expectations are there, though, regardless of that. They've got to overcome that this season. So I appreciated him saying that they're not giving up on the season, right? I appreciated that because it'd be easy to pack it in and say we've lost five in a row. It's just it's not going to happen for us this year. You, you can't do that. Well, that – you bring up something you just you just lit a fire under my, my myself. What are your expectations? I'm going to ask you yeah. a question. I'm asking you like I'm an interviewing somebody. What are, what my, are your expectations for Wichita State? What are they right now? What or what you, were they when they when the season I'll started? Tell you what, let's just go with what are they now? What are your expectations at this very moment moving forward with Wichita State? Because I have some expectations yeah. and I want to know what yours are. Well, look, I think that right now, considering they're 0 and 4 in conference, I think that if you can finish the season at 500 in conference then that looks, that looks good. I think that looks better than where they stand right now. Now you've got to make up some ground because you're already four games under 500 at 0-4 in the conference. And again, you're playing Florida Atlantic tomorrow, and they're a top 25 team. They made the final four last year. They're a really veteran, talented, well-coached team. So if the Shockers don't get it figured out tomorrow, they'll be 0-5. In conference play. So if you can try to find a way to battle back and at least get to 500 in the conference when the season is all said and done, I think that would be my best case scenario for Wichita Let State Let me right be now. a little more specific because okay. I'm not sure I got the answer that I'm looking for. Okay. My question was, what are your expectations? Not on a generalistic if they can do this or they can do that and they can get to the What do I think is going to happen? What do you think? Okay, you're coaching. Sure. And you're going to see Coach Mills and say, Coach, here's what you need to do. What do you, here's what I would do if it were me. Here's what I want. What are your expectations of this team? Specifically, what would you have them do to get better? So, like Kevin Saul mentioned, you can't rely on outside shooting, right? That, that's just not oh, that's true. That's not the identity that's of this true. team. Right. Uh, even though you've got Colby Rogers who can make some, you've got Xavier Bell who can make some. All right. I don't think you can rely on that. And I'm not I don't think that they necessarily are. Um, you've got you have to play better defense and you have to limit what op- opposing teams do in transition. Right. And you know, Memphis, they're high flying. They're the best team in the conference. I think they're better than Florida Atlantic at this point. Um, they're high-flying. They shot the lights out of the basketball. And there are sometimes, Paul, and I'm not trying to make excuses here for Wichita State, but there are sometimes where it's not about a lack of defense. It's just the other team, they're just making shots. And, and there were several of those in the second half with Memphis where it's like, I don't really know what more Wichita State could have done there. The guy just made the shot. That happened several times. Now, were there breakdowns defensively? Sure, there absolutely were. That's uncharacteristic of a Wichita State basketball team that we're used to seeing over the years. So I think at this point, you've got to get back to basics a little bit. You have to do everything that you can to stem the tide. I liked the move that Paul Mills made bringing Dalen Original into the starting lineup because I think he brings a spark. I think he brings energy. But you've got to figure out what in in the best way possible when you're playing teams like 
Memphis and Florida Atlantic, how are you going to limit them? How are you going to disrupt their flow of offense? I don't think they did that particularly well against Memphis. Uh, well, that's, that is much more – thank you, because that's much more specific of what I want. I personally am in agreement with what you're saying, and I'll just sum it up this way. Defend the hell out of somebody. De- get in their face. You break down. Yeah. You defend. You know what I'd like to see? I'd like to see some 49-48 basketball games. Isn't, now, is I mean, that it, realistic? Eh, well, probably not, not to that right, extent. Not right now. Not, yeah, probably but how not about, like that. But how about 53-54, yeah. 53-55, something like that? You know, defend, 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 defend. Because you can, you can get good – you know, you can create defenders. You know, sometimes it's almost impossible to create shooters. I know it's impossible to create seven foot. I mean, you know, you know you're born seven foot. You can't create one. You can't take a six six guy and make him seven foot. Yeah. Uh, but you can def- you can develop defenders. I want to see this team defend, 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 and I'll keep harping on that. And I think you know, as much as I want to see te- this team shoot the three well, and 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 go that route. It's not who they are. I'm not sure they that's not have. Who they are. That's right. And whoever develops is going to go into the portal anyway. You're not. You know. You're not going to be able to create a great three point shooter and then think he's going to stay around two or three years. That's that's not the way of the world anymore, is it? I mean, there's a, there's places that are going to pay those guys a heck of a lot more money than they can make at Wichita State. You're, those guys go. They go in the portal. And that's just the life that we live. But by golly, you can defend and you can develop defending. And I guess I know I harp on this almost every show, but it's it's what I think. It's what I really believe. Yeah. And I believe this team can do it. But I think this team's got to want to do it. You know, defending is 90%. It's, it's desire. I mean, you know, that's, your old, that's your old high it's school effort. coach. Yeah, it's 90% wanna. Yeah. You got to wanna. And, and, and look, um, I appreciated what Kevin Saul talked about I did with too. the – Fan base yes. and all of that. I agree. Um, I've mentioned it before. I know Jacob has said it before. The worst thing possible with any program, not just Wichita State, but the worst thing possible is for apathy to set in and develop. I, I think it's okay to be angry. I think it's okay to be pissed off. I think it's okay to you know not to think that the five game losing streak is not acceptable. A team that was eight and three is now eight and eight and zero oh and four in conference. It's not acceptable for Shocker basketball. I think it's okay to say that. The worst thing is when people stop paying attention, when people stop caring and stop saying, ah, it doesn't matter what the record is. That's the worst thing. And I, I think that we're still far away from that, but you've got to stem the tide now. Like I mentioned before, it's the longest shocker basketball losing streak in 15 years right. at five games. Right. You have to stem that tide. And it doesn't get any easier on the road at right. Florida Atlantic, a Final Four team from a year ago. That game is tomorrow night. So there are definitely... Probably some adjustments that need to be made. Paul Mills mentioned earlier this week in an interview that everything is on the table to try to stem the tide and to try to turn things around. And uh, I know that uh, that's going to be a major priority for him as we not only get into the game tomorrow, but as conference play rolls on. Let's step aside for another timeout. When we come back, we will get into the divisional round of the playoffs. Chiefs and Bills on Sunday night in primetime. And then the other matchups coming up this weekend. We'll talk about all of them on the other side on Sports Daily.
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome back, everybody. Sports Daily on KFH. It's a Wednesday edition of the program. Tommy Castor, Paul Savage. In for Jacob Albrock, Jad Chambers producing the program. Paul, the divisional round of the playoffs upon us starting on Saturday. Uh, Of course, the Chiefs play the final of the four games this weekend on Sunday night in Orchard Park, taking on the Buffalo Bills. Uh, You sent this to me earlier this morning talking about outside of the Chiefs and Bills game, which one is the most intriguing? And, yes, and, I'd like to know. You know, I think for me, I think they're all really good matchups. I'm really excited about watching the Packers and the Niners. Are you? Just from what we saw from Green Bay on the road in Dallas last weekend, traveling to San Francisco, and, and of course the 49ers have had a couple of weeks off now. They're, they should be well-rested, healthy, and all of that. I think that's going to be a really good matchup. It reminds me of matchups back in the 90s between these two franchises and and, you know actually the Chiefs and the Bills are the same way matchups back in the 90s that's the way it always has been but I think the Packers and Niners is probably mine I kind of agree with you but I'm not I'm not going to because but I'll get to in a second but here's the enchanting thing about that is is there's a quarterback by the name of love you know be love it's on the back of his most of the helmets now it's be love isn't that what they not all the helmets say whatever it is. But anyway, I'm yeah, not paying Jay, attention to that. Yeah, Jalen Love, he, <laughs> this is a kid that I didn't think could play. Yeah. At the start of this year, Tommy, I thought to myself, what is this kid doing on, on the field? And the Packers stuck with him. And by golly, he looked like a pro, didn't he? He looked like a pro this last weekend in, in the victory over, over the Cowboys. Oh, he, yeah. I mean, he is really, he has come as far as anybody. So I get you, I get that. But, it, but there was a point at this season, I said, Packers, what are you doing? What are you playing this kid for? He can't play. And yet he's been able to develop, and, and now he's pretty good. But the game that really fascinates me, I'm going to be real truthful, the game that I find fascinating is the Texans and the uh, Ravens. And part of it is I'm enchanted with the rookie head coach of the Texans. I'm enchanted with the rookie quarterback. Mm-hmm. Of, of Nobody thought they'd uh, be here. Who thought – I Nobody did. thought they'd be here right now. Are you now. kidding me? Or th- not at all. And I'm not sure at, that there's a better quarterback to build a franchise around as a rookie wow. than C.J. Stroud. Right. Who would you take right now 
Love oh, or Stroud? That's a that's a great question. Love has the advantage of being on a roster longer yeah. and working under Aaron Rodgers. Right. But man, Stroud has lit the world on fire this right. season right. as a rookie. Now, I definitely think that in retrospect, he is, I mean, clearly this is obvious, better than Bryce Young, better than any of the oh, other no, rookie no quarterbacks question. that are out there right now. No, they are. Um, and, and I think this is really interesting with all of the matchups this weekend, Paul, is that in a year where we've had so many backup quarterbacks playing in the NFL, and there have been tons of them. I think the number is like in the 60s, the number of different quarterbacks that started a game in the NFL this year. All eight teams that are remaining have their starting quarterback. You've got Stroud, Jackson, Love, Purdy, Mayfield, Goff, Mahomes, and Allen. All of them have their starters. They're not playing backups. There were a couple of teams that made the playoffs that had backups. Mason Rudolph for the Steelers was one of them. Um, you know, there were a couple of others. But, man, by and large, it's teams that are riding with their star quarterbacks mm -hmm. that are left in the NFL. Yeah, and I like your strategy also when it comes to the Packers, uh, to the Packers, because, boy, did they knock Dallas off the ball. Now, I mean, yep. there's all this talk about, well, Dallas was playing a small front because they wanted to pin their ears Dallas back. Dallas was go, unprepared. Yeah. They were unprepared. You know, they were outcoached. You're, you're kind of right. But, boy, did they knock them off the ball. Have you ever seen inside zone cutback run as well as it was no. run against Dallas? It was a thing of beauty. Well, and Aaron you, you Jones know, looked like he was Barry Sanders out there the way he was well, running the football. It was amazing. Yeah. And you don't see NFL teams get knocked off the ball like we – well, like we saw the Green Bay Packers knock the Cowboys off the ball. It was it was a thing of beauty. And yet there's something intriguing about the Texans. And and I'm not necessarily a Texans fan. I mean, I went to college in the state of Texas, but I'm not necessarily I was never really a Houston Oilers fan or 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 now a Dallas or a a, a a Texans fan. I'm I'm sure. I'm not that. But there's something about this team, the quarterback, the the, the rookie head coach who this team believes in. I mean, you know, this is a team that loves their head coach. And, of course, I would say most of the teams in, in, in the playoffs that are left, they have great respect for their coaches, or you wouldn't be, you wouldn't be where you are now, yeah. you know, final eight. I mean, come on now. But with that being said, for me, it's kind of the Texans. I find that a fascinating story, and particularly the development of Stroud. That's, it's something to really be, behold in a way. I think that the Ravens are, by and large, the best team remaining. I think just from a talent level, they're the most complete team, I think. I think they're better than the 49ers are. I think that they are the best team remaining in the playoffs. That being said, though, I think the Texans could give them a game. And just from what we've too. seen from C.J. Stroud, uh, you know, he's got guys like Nico Collins, and Devin Singletary has quietly been one of the best running backs in the NFL. A really solid defense to try to limit Lamar Jackson. It's going to be fascinating to see the way that D'Amico Ryans, the rookie head coach for Houston, gets his team ready to go against the Ravens. And, and you know what? The Texans, at this point, they're playing with house money. They really are. They are. Nobody thought they would be in the playoffs. I'm surprised, Paul, that you didn't pick the Lions. I know how much you love I know. Dan Campbell, and I know we're going to pick these games officially on Friday, but the Buccaneers demolished the Eagles. They're on the rise for sure with Baker Mayfield. They're headed to Detroit. And, you know, I know Detroit has been impressive, I think this could be a great game, too. I mean, I think all four of these games, they're going to be really tough to pick. I think they're going to be pretty close. Well, I'm going to follow that game. Gosh, I, I just figured out I'm going to watch a lot of 
pro football this weekend. <laughs> a lot of it because better clear your schedule yeah, because that that is that is one of the games that that I find intriguing. And you're right. I, I've been a Dan Campbell fan all year long. They can run the football. They can, you know, there's two or three teams that can do things that other teams can't do. I think I think I think the Packers. I think the Lions. I think to a lesser extent the uh, 49ers can line up the football or line up on the football and run the football. Uh, a little better than some of the other teams. I think a little better than the Buccaneers. I think sometimes probably a little better than, well, even a little better than yeah. the Chiefs, don't you think, to a certain extent? I mean, Pacheco's looking good, but I mean, you, you, but you're not going to, you're not going to line up and dominate a team. Not like, not like, not like the, the Lions can or the Packers can. Yeah. You're not going to line up and run play after play and basically tell the other team, we're going to run inside zone. Stop it. Because we all knew, and we got to a point with the Packers. Didn't you kind of know what was coming? Because yeah. I kind of knew, and I'm no genius. The best thing about the Buccaneers and Lions game, I don't know if you saw this, but Todd Bowles, the coach of the Bucs, uh-huh. was doing a press conference. A reporter asked him how prepared he and his team were going to be for the weather. And he was like, well, don't you know Detroit plays in a dome? They play inside. What are you talking about? I didn't catch that. That was the best moment that I I've did. seen so are far leading up to this oh, game. We got to yeah. get that. Jad, we yeah. got to get that, okay? All right. <laughs> We're going to take our final time out. When we come back, we'll tell you what's on the network today. It's Sports Daily on KFH. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.